you think it's dangerous to come to church, don't try it. You know, don't do that. Um, I would hate for somebody to fall down or get hurt. I don't know how that's for the glory of God. So we, we got to keep that uh, balance. But for you guys, it's awesome that you're here. We're going to have, we're going to do some things this morning. But I did want to start with, we're headed to India. <clears throat> Nur and I are headed to India this, uh, in the, it's tomorrow, tomorrow night is when we're headed up to uh, Denver and, and start to get toward our plane and do all the stuff. We'll be there for a couple weeks. Um, I wanted, I wanted you guys to pray for us and, um, a lot of things have been happening over the last couple of weeks. The, um, we booked our flights a few months back, and they keep changing the flights on us. Everything keeps happening different, and every time we turn around, we're staying in another city longer. Like, we had a few-hour layover that's now a 24-hour layover in, somewhere in China, uh, some things like that that we have no control over. And then they're, they're talking about visa issues and things like that that, that are just, um, it's just harassing. You just kind of... I've been very, very patient with everybody I've talked to on the phone. Plus, this is just me. I'm just griping a little bit here. But um, I've, been on, I've, been, I've been on hold for the last week and a half. I've been on hold for four or five hours at a time to try to figure this out. And so, so um, I'm not real pro-China Eastern Airline right now, but, uh, but it's all going to work. But I do need you to pray for us because I don't know. We don't know once we take off all the different things that could happen. And we haven't even started getting all the information for the flights back. We know those are going to change too. So, uh, so I need you to pray for us. I want you to pray for our trip. We've got a lot of things that we're uh, going to be doing, um, a lot of fun things we're going to be doing with our pastors there. And, the, and the, we're gonna, we've got a big party coming up the Monday night, the 26th. We've got like um, like 80 or 90 people coming to this party in, in India there that are all the builders of the, the building and, and neighbors and friends and anybody that we could invite so that we can uh, talk to them about what's going on, introduce our pastors to them, and just have a, a good time with all of that. And so, Dr. Matthews, if you wouldn't mind joining uh, me up here, I want us to pray for all of this. And um, <clears throat> I kind of refer to us as the Three Musketeers. Because Jerry is one of the musketeers, but Jerry's not going with us this time. And so, Jerry, if you don't mind, I want to have you come pray for us. And I want to, why don't you guys all stand and, um, and pray that everything goes smoothly. We've got a lot of stuff to do. We've got a lot of timelines, a lot of things that we've got to get done. Um, and and it's, I mean, it's going to be fun, but you just you want to make sure you get it all done right uh, come according to what we've got. So, Jerry, you can say whatever you need to. Do whatever you need, and then uh, pray for Dr. Matthews and I, if that's good. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Lord, we come to you this morning with extremely thankful hearts. God, we're so thankful for what you're doing in India. Jesus. Lord, uh, Jesus. it wasn't very long ago that uh, this, this looked... Uh, virtually impossible and you have opened the doors and provided the Santosh and Josiah uh, and their their wives and we just we just thank you we, we thank Jesus. you that we're at the point that uh, we need microwaves uh, that's uh, uh, we just we, we just thank you for that. We we feel like that uh, this uh, this booking that was that was booked to take 
Pastor Scott and Dr. Nur over there looked like a, looked like virtually a miracle, and now it has become a major issue. And and we just thank you for the way you're going to solve this. Jesus, we 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 uh, we were thanking you uh, when this was booked, and uh, we we. This is not a surprise to you. You you knew this was going to happen, Jesus, and and we just thank you for the way you're going to resolve it. Uh, and we thank you for what's going to be accomplished there. Jesus, the the dedication of this of this building, yeah. and uh, we uh, we we pray. Yeah supernatural covering on on both of them and and uh, whatever they experience that they will have your protection and covering and that you will give them the strength and the right words to say and to the decisions they have to make that uh, it will be it will be what you would want done, Lord. And uh, we pray for their safety. We pray for their families while they're gone. How and uh, the things can happen while you're you're out of the country. And and we just we just thank you. We, uh, we pray for, like I say, for for their families and for them. We thank you for the good reports Jesus. that are going to be expressed when they come back. We just we, we just thank you. We we thank you for uh, the way it's all going to to play out, and uh, we will give you the praise and glory Jesus for name. it in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jerry. You can be seated if you like. We, um, who knows what kind of trouble that uh, Nur and I are going to get into. Dad's not going with us, so, <laughs> so we're going to have a good time. But um, yeah, we, we got these, these plane tickets for half price. Like Both of us are flying round trip all the way to India and back for less than $2,000 total, both of us together. We didn't know we were going to have to pedal the uh, plane the whole way, so... <laughs> so you know, you need to check into these things a little better, I guess. No, we, we know it's going to be a good time. We've, we've, uh, so last week I mentioned all the things that we're going to be buying when we get over there, all kinds of house goods, refrigerators, microwaves, all kinds of stuff for both sides of the uh, duplex, for both of our pastors. And um, I think that we've just about got, the last I was looking, I think we've got uh, the money for, for all of, most if not all of that, those things. Um, we're still looking at the uh, top floor of the building and I think we're actually getting fairly close to that, too. A lot of people have been given over the last couple of weeks, and it's been exciting to see this. Um, I think we're getting very close to that, but I don't think we're quite there. So, um, so be thinking about that. If you want to contribute something to this and finish the t- help us to get the top floor finished, all the things that are going on, um, just, just as Allison was saying, or just put, that as, put it in India um, or RPH. That's the city that we're going to, those kind of things. So... Um, so be praying for my, my wife and kids while I'm gone. 
They're going to be without me for Thanksgiving. It's going to be sad for them. Actually, she told me, oh, good, I can go see the grandbaby. <laughs> without me. Without me. But I'm not, I'm not being picky on that. All right, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be talking about Thanksgiving this morning because that's this week. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the year. I, I, uh, just, I absolutely love it. But I want to show you a little video first, get you in the mindset that, that I want you to think, be thinking. This is purely manipulative. I'm, I'm trying to, to get your brain going the direction that I need it to be going. All right, so I want us to watch a video, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show us some things uh, from Scripture about this. You know, there's songs that have to be sung by a certain person. This is a song that you're going to be watching a little video of. You know, like White Christmas needs to be sung by who? Bing. Bing's got to sing White Christmas. If Bing ain't singing, it ain't White Christmas. So things like that. Well, this, is, um, this has to be sung by Satchmo. So uh, go ahead. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. Also on the faces of people going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. I hear babies cry. I watch them grow. They learn much more. I never knew, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful. That's, that's one of those songs. Only Louis Armstrong can sing that, right? It has to be Louis. Um, you know, there's something about... That's one of my favorite songs of any song. Um, there's something about the reality of that that I think is healthy for us to process. We've been talking about this a lot, and I've been seeing a lot of statistics. This is something... We were, we were talking about this again at our, uh, our, our grillers, our men's prayer meeting Thursday night, and... Just all of the stuff that's going on. Fort Carson is seeing a, a huge increase in suicides um, over the last two years. I mean, off the charts uh, numbers of suicides of Fort Carson. 
And statistically, it's not, it's not uh, necessarily the guys that have been in battle that have PTSD or anything like that. Um, it's, you know, these are, these are quartermasters that are working, you know, supplying things or doing stuff. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not fitting norms. And then we're seeing in, in schools last year, there was not one school in Colorado Springs that was not, um, didn't have a suicide in it last year. Uh, high schools that didn't have a suicide in it. That's, that's not a good statistic. This is a very um, negative thing that is happening. Now, I believe these things are spiritual first. But I believe there's a lot of other factors. I believe there's relationship things. I believe there's, um, you know, I don't think it's coincidental that we make marijuana legal and that goes off the, the charts with teenagers. And then you have suicide rates go up too. I don't think those things are coincidence. And I think only, only uh, voluntarily naive ignorance says that those are completely separated. So we see all this stuff that's going on, and I, and I, you know, I think about this song, and there's a lot just in this song, and you could, you could make a, another list of a thousand things that are part of our existence in our life and every single day that really declare uh, good things and positive things and things about God, and, but the, the the thing that, that's, that fuels um, forgetting all of this and, and thinking that life isn't worth living is there is no hope. That's, that's really what it is at the end of the day is there's a lack of hope. There's a lack of, of what, could be to, what could be for tomorrow or, or the next day or a year from now. And, and um, I've talked to a lot of people over the years that have uh, tried to commit suicide and, and, and weren't successful. And... Uh, and they'll tell you a year later, five years later, ten years later, it, it, how, how wonderful it was that, that it didn't go through or they were a failure or whatever in that, that they are living life again. I, I've never had anybody say ten years later, boy, I wish I would have got that right. Never, never heard that. Because why? Once you get to tomorrow, there's opportunity and, and moments and situations and all kinds of stuff that, that are there and are possible. And uh, I, I know that, um, you know, it's, it's the concept of Thanksgiving has been attacked and, and the, the history of it has been rewritten. I mean, there's all kinds of silly things that happen. I, I was reading something the other day that said Thanksgiving had nothing to do with positive relationships between um, the pilgrims and the Indians. I, that's revisionist history. The, the truth is that's exactly what it was about. That is exactly what it was about. And but but the but the, the education system, all the stuff is just so anti anything that can be beneficial and positive, and anything in the past that showed good relationships between between the uh, white people and the the Indians. And the, well, we can't have that. And so they they change the history, they change the stuff. And in reality, Thanksgiving was because people were recognizing through very difficult situations, and these people were dying like crazy when they first hit the ground here. But, but they, they, they held strong. They, they, they kept plowing through life and the ground and stuff like that. And now we have what we call the United States of America. I mean, it's, it's an amazing story. And there are just mindsets and people out there that don't like those kind of stories. They can't be true. 
There's no way that can be true. Somebody worked hard and something happened positive and they kept working at it and the next generation worked and the next generation. And then we accomplished something amazing through the blessings of God and through, to the glory of God. We accomplished something amazing. There are people all over the planet that say, and, and right here in America, that say, no, you can't do that. The only way that you can get something good is that you take it from somebody else. And that's not true. There's a mentality in our country right now that for somebody to be wealthy, they have to take it from somebody else. In other words, there's only a certain amount of wealth out there. And if you pull some to you, you've got to take it from somebody else. That's not true. That's just not true. You can accumulate things and build something and do something positive without taking from anybody. There's, there's an, an, an unlimited amount of options and resources and things like that out there. There just is. I was reading again this week some stuff that um, it, it started with me thinking, I've been talking about, I was looking at uh, some things back in the late 1800s and 1900s, some journals, one of them was Mark Twain, some different guys in that time frame, and looking at what the country looked like. And then I, I was uh, reading about this wager that was waged uh, quite a few years ago that says that the more people the more our population grows and the more we consume resources, the more those resources will grow. In other words, it's not going to be less, like oil, uh, minerals, or things like that. There won't be less, there will be more. And the wager was between two guys that said, no, that can't be possible. If you take stuff from, from the earth, they're going to be less. And then the other guy said, no, I, I guarantee you there will be more. And we have found out there's more. Let me give you one. For years, we said that oil was a fossil fuel. Remember that? Remember when we used to call oil a fossil fuel? In other words, animals had to die and they made oil with their dead bodies. I've never believed that. Even as a kid, I was like, that can't be possible. There's not enough dinosaurs to die to provide us with oil. It's not possible. Well, now they're realizing, no, that's not true. Oil is being made by the planet all the time. The planet makes oil. There's more resources. Plus, we find out more. We learn more. All these other kind of things. Well, here's, what, here's why I'm saying all this. I really think that you, as an individual, have an amazing opportunity every single day to accomplish a few things. That you can think in a certain um, positive way, right attitude, godly thinking. That you can do things with the right attitude, positive direction, and godly direction. And that you can be something that is very much about glorifying God in the right direction, those kind of things. I think that every single human on the planet has that uh, opportunity and ability. And it's not about where you live or how old you are or how much you have or don't have. You have the opportunity to have a mindset that says, I can do and be and think in the way that God wants me to, to do that. But you've got you've to do something about that. And so we have Thanksgiving that's coming up this week, and you have an opportunity to be thankful, or you have an opportunity to not. And as, and as nice and as sweet as I can say this, it gets old and boring when you're just a person that won't be thankful. It just gets, it just gets negative to be around you. It gets old. It's something that, is, that is, it drags people down. There's plenty of things to complain about. We don't need to be reminded of them. Let's move forward and say, wait a second, God has created me. I'm going to acknowledge that. And when everything is negative, negative, negative. We had this lady years ago, Lynn and I were in our, in our mid-20s, started pastoring a church um, in the southeastern part of this state. 
And, and there was this lady that was just negative, 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 all the time, negative. Nothing, it didn't matter what happened. It wasn't good, wasn't good, wasn't good, negative, negative. And we were driving to, uh, back to East Texas to go visit Linda's family. And we drove through this city in Texas called Happy Texas. And, and we're, we stop, we get gas, and we're standing there in Happy Texas. And I opened the door, and I uh, leaned into Lynn, and I said, you know who needs to visit this place? And, she, and I was already thinking, she said that lady's name. And I said, exactly. She needs to visit Happy. Guys, there's plenty of stuff. There's tragedies that you're going to deal with. There's relationship things. There's, there's physical things. You're going to deal with stuff. That's... that's what life is. Adam and Eve started this thing for us. It was perfect. Everything was perfect. And Adam and Eve brought sin and, and the destructive force downward that, that sin and Satan brings to everything. Okay? But, but you don't have to go there. There's going to be there's going to be negative. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be. But that doesn't have to define you. And in, in my opinion, as a testimony to God, it shouldn't. If we're really trying to follow God. Now, I've had these moments when I get upset at God. I'm like, God, why are you not treating me right? Or why is this happening? Or why do you let this happen? Or why did you do this? Or those kind of things. I get that. We all will go through those. But somewhere in there is a faith moment when you say, okay, but God, I still trust you. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't even understand what I'm seeing, but I still trust you. Because you're God and I'm not. Well, God has this moment, this conversation with Job that I love this I love this. There's a couple chapters here where God is doing this with Job. And, um, and, we, and, I, and I don't see this anywhere else in Scripture exactly like this. We see a few places in Psalms where, we ha- where it has a tendency to kind of go toward this direction. But basically, God is getting up in Job's face and saying, Job, let me remind you of a few things. And, and I, I don't think I'm overstating this. I believe this is what's going on. If you read the whole thing, you, you, I think you would capture this too. I think Job gets, God gets up in Job's face and says, Job, you are thinking so small. You are thinking so limited. But I'm not going to let you define me because I'm God. And he pushes back to Job. And he gets a little... Gets a little um, chippy with Job, gets a little sarcastic with Job, kind of gets in his face and says, Job, let me, let me remind you of some things. With a little bit, in my opinion, got a little bit of an attitude against Job on this. At the same time, if you read through it, he's also um, doing this from a, from a place of um, deep compassion for Job and, and, um, and almost like his heart is broken for Job because Job can't see it. Job's thinking too small. So let's go to chapter 38 of Job. And um, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? That's not a good start if God's talking to you. Right? Who are you to say these things? Who do you think you are? And your words are dumb. That's what he's saying. Am I right? Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you. You ever had anybody say something like that to you? My grandfather used to say that all the time. My grandfather was also the person that told me I was I was um, teenagerish years. And I thought I was becoming a man and all this stuff. And I, I was, we were at a family thing, and everybody's talking to us. I mean, I kept saying, but I'm a man. 
Because I was, I was like 17. I mean, aren't you a man at 17? So I was saying those kind of things, and my grandfather said, hey, man, let me tell you something. If you've got to go around telling everybody you're a man, you're not a man. I was like, I'm not a man. <laughs> you know, so, okay, that was funny. But <clears throat> he said, brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Maybe not out loud, but you've got to answer them. And the Lord does the same thing with us. He asks us things. He pushes us against the wall sometimes and says, you need to think about what you're doing. You need to think about what's going on. You need to get your mind and your attitude in the right place. And you need to answer these questions. And he says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. You hear the sarcasm that the Lord is using here? I mean, he's really getting up in Job's face about this. But there's a point to this. He wants Job through very quickly to arrive at the right conclusion. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? By the way, I read through all of these things. And I'm going I'm to read through verse 21 of this. You can read the rest of this going to the next chapter. Um, most of these questions we still can't answer today. Did you know that? Now, this is something that's interesting because if I, if, if you back me up 3,000 years, or actually Job is pretty old, um, uh, the book of Job is, actually the book of Job is the oldest book we have in the Bible. And if you back up far enough into the, to the time frame of Job, and you were going to say, let me tell you about God, and you were going to be thinking about what God was going to be saying here and how he would say it, you would come up with things that would make sense in your time frame, but they could be very easily answered and might even look ignorant if you go ahead 2,000 years. They wouldn't make sense scientifically. They wouldn't stand on their own, and they wouldn't really speak to the sovereignty of God like these things do, which tells me a couple of things. These had to have come from God. Job was just documenting it. Job didn't come up with it himself. These had to come from God because many of the ways that God describes this stuff is in such a way that we still can't understand it today. You get the gravity of this? This is huge for me. And I went down through the list over and over thinking, okay, now we still can't answer it. At least the way it says it, we can't answer it that way. Look at this again. What supports its foundations? Who laid its cornerstone? What keeps the, the globe up there in the expanse? What keeps us there? Now we say, you know, we got, you got the sun and you got the, 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 the rotations and the spin of the earth and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, that... Those are answers that we know about, but it doesn't answer the big question. Why are we, why are we just hanging here? Well, you know, you got, it's because of the sun. Yeah, okay, then who put all this stuff here? How did it get here? How did the sun get here? How did, how did the idea of centrifugal force and gravitation work together in such a way that it doesn't fit any other scientific thing that we understand? For example, this is, this is the way my brain always looks at it. The earth spins right? That's what causes gravity, which sucks us down to the earth, is the spinning rotation of the earth. Okay, then take something, stick it to a basketball, and spin that thing. Right? It doesn't work. Well, you got to spin it really fast. Okay, spin it 17,000 miles, uh, 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 rotations a second. That's the earth. It's not going to stay on that basketball. It's, it, 
God did something when he creates this. And then the, the way that it all works around the earth, he, I mean the sun, he did this stuff. And then he says, where were you when I did it? Do you even understand how it works? What is the answer? No. I don't understand how it works. And we won't till we get with him. What supports its foundation? Who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. In other words, that, that was all happening when he did all this. He's just throwing a little extra in there to say, were you there when I made the earth, put the foundation together? Because the angels were and they were kicking it with me. You don't have a clue. You don't know. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with the clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness. I love that description. He's, he's explaining um, condensation, evaporation, all that stuff right there in one, just boom. And they didn't even understand that at the time. What keeps the, the ocean waters from just taking over things? What keeps it from just consuming everything? I mean, we've been being told for, for the last 10, 20 years that all the uh, polar ice caps are going to melt and it's going to flood the earth, right? I've tried to bring my, make sure that my kids understand this, keep this in perspective. Uh, when I was in school, it was the exact opposite. It was the ice age. We're heading for a new ice age. Does anybody remember that? I mean, I'm, I'm fairly younger to middle age, but uh, dude, that was the deal back in the day was that it was going to be the ice age, ice age, ice age. And all of a sudden they're like, no, global warming um, is causing all of this. We're going to melt the polar ice caps. California is going to disappear first, which you're like, well, okay, but then we don't want it to go any more than that. <laughs> and, and so we've got all of this. And now I just read this week that now they're talking about the direction we're going is for another ice age. Well, guys, I can fix this for us. Start your car and just leave it running. <laughs> right? Feed cows beans. We can fix this. We're going to bring it back to global warming. Okay. For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. He's talking about the oceans. I love this. The Lord tells it where the oceans are going to stop. He said this. And I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? No, but God has. Think about this right now. This is one of my favorite views that we get in Colorado Springs. Is when you got the mountains and you got the cloud. And then you got the lower level of stuff. I love that. That, that, that. To me, that's one of my favorite things. I mean, I like a good, I like a good uh, sunset over the top of mountains, too. Don't get me wrong. I, like, I, I mean, I just, anything the mountains do, I like it. But I did. I just, looked, I just finished doing that. So here's the thing with me. Can you do that? No. But God can. Look, he just did. Because I think there's a lot of stuff, if we, if we can get our brains in the right place and attach our heart and our spirit to it, I think there's a lot of things that God is showing us and doing all the time that just reminds us that there can be a tomorrow and that there can be hope and that there can be something positive and that whatever you're going through right now is limited and it's temporary. Even this life is limited and temporary. Just this life. And then I think this life is pretty amazing. And I haven't always thought that way, by the way. I've struggled at different times. I've struggled with depression and different things over the years. 
And, and there's times when you can, I've just gotten into this, you just get more and more, um, you just look inward and inward and inward and inward and it's not good and it's not good and it's not good. Because why? As human beings, we, we bring a bunch of silliness to the table that we can convince ourselves. This is what defines everything, but it doesn't. Continue. The light disturbs. I'm sorry, let me go back up. Have you made the daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. I, th- this sentence right there stood out at me one time. Years ago, I'd gone to, um, down to South Park, and um, me and some guys were camping out there. And I, could, I couldn't sleep. It was just, I, you know, it's in the middle of the night, and I was just enjoying the evening. So I get up. It's like, it's like 3 in the morning. I get up, and I climb on top of this mountain that, that was near us. And um, by the time I get up there, it, the, the sun is already starting to, to, to come up over the tops of, of, the, of the view up there. And, and there's just mountain range after mountain range after mountain range. And I'm sitting up there, and I'm sitting to hear some stuff behind me. One of the guys is camping with us. He comes walking up. He said, I heard you leave. What are you doing up here, man? What's wrong with you? Like there was some, I was like, you're really ruining my moment. But either way, so, so I, we sit, both of us were sitting there, and the sun starts coming up. And as it does it, the sunlight begins to come across the hilltops first, all the little hilltops. And these are mountaintops, but we're pretty high up. And then the mountaintops. And then as it gets a little higher, it starts to go down into the valleys a little bit. And you can see all of this progressing towards you. And, and it just amazed me. We sat there for probably an hour, hour and a half watching all of this and the different layers and the light. And all of a, you know, all of a sudden the earth looks real before it looked different and all this. And, and, then, and then I read things like this. Have you, made the day, have you made the daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath the seal. It's robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked. You understand that this is going... To the, to the uh, this is verbalized quite a few places in Scripture that people that like sin um, like darkness because it hides their sin, and this is, this is what he's dealing with. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? This is another thing we say we know so much about this stuff, but we don't. We don't. I. Um, in the church we pastored previously, I, I, I built a house there for the church. And we were putting the well in, doing all this other kind of stuff. And, and this is one of the things, I've been in Colorado now almost 25 years. And, and there's always that group of people that always are talking about, the, we have no water in Colorado, water's going to disappear tomorrow. We don't have any water. We don't have any. I've been hearing that for 25 years. It doesn't matter what the details are, it doesn't matter. It's we have no water, we have no water, we have no water. And so I, I, we drilled a well, we got a permit, drilled the well, and we had to drill down to like uh, 300, 400 feet, somewhere around there. And, uh, and they made me sign something, <clears throat> because a water engineer came in and said, this particular aquifer underground is probably not going to last that long. With all these thousands of people that are moving out this way, it's probably not going to last this long. We need you to sign a paper that says that after a little while, you will dig another well, you'll drill another well deeper. I said, like, how far? And they said, well, to the next aquifer, it would be about 600 and something feet. I said, okay, what does that mean? We sign a paper. What is, what's the time? And he said, okay, here it is. And he puts the paper down. It's a contract thing. He says, we need you to sign this. It says, in 99 years, you will drill another well. I'm like, I will sign that. I will sign that. 
Why? Because you know what they were basically saying? We don't really know what's going on. Aquifer's empty, then it's full. And we don't actually know why. We think we do, and we act like we do. And specifically when it comes to politicians and finances and things like that, we know all this stuff, but we don't. We just really don't. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. This is God saying this to him. Do you know the extent of the earth? Tell me about it. You say you know, tell me about it. Because why? God does know. God knows, but we don't, and he knows we don't. Because he made us. He knows every one of our thoughts. He knows everything. And he knows we, we don't know. And in fact, I would go so far as to say he knows we can't know. We wouldn't understand it. We wouldn't understand the totality of who God is and how he does all of this kind of stuff. Where does light come from? Where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? Where does darkness go? Well, darkness is the absence of light. So light, there is no darkness. Okay, so what happens to it? Seems, seems to be a real thing. But of course, you know all of this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. This is God talking. Can you get more sarcastic than this? I'm sure you know everything. You're so experienced. Now, guys, this is the reason that I'm reading this to us, because I really believe that um, God thinks like this about us, and he, and, he, and he asks us these questions sometimes. Not all the time. I don't think God's trying to be mean to us. But here's part of the thing, is I think even the reason he's asking this is he's trying to get us to, to process it. We see the Scripture in the New Testament says that we shouldn't think higher of ourselves than we really are, or better of ourselves than we really are. He's trying to say, you know, you get caught up. Now, let me, let me put a little twist on this, but I do believe this is what he's saying. You get so caught up being negative because Job was, was I mean, and he had rights to be, right? Look at his life. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And God had given permission for it. And then he says, you're complaining, you're griping, you're doing all this other kind of stuff. But since you know everything, I guess you have the right to be negative. I guess you have the right to be completely discouraged and there's no way out because you know everything. You know there's no way out because you were there when the foundations of the earth was put together. God is really getting up in Job's face about this because Job is starting to define himself and God in doing so. When we go around talking about how negative things are about us and how dis difficult and discouraging life is and there's no reason to live, there's no reason, there's no reason to, I, there's no hope for me. I'm just going to be like this all my life. I'm just going to be in this context. And, and there's uh, just the negative, negative. You know what we're doing? Is we're saying, God, you're no good at what you do. You're no good at creating. You're no good at creating me. You're no good at life. You, 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 are, you are horrible at what you do, God, and I am a testimony of how horrible you are. So why try? I'm just going to gripe, complain. Because it's not how God didn't wire us this way. God did not wire us this way. 
And when we get discouraged and negative and we just let that discouragement just keep rolling and rolling and rolling, what happens over time is it gets deep into our soul and it spiritually becomes part of us. We actually are letting Satan define who we are to us and we start owning it as truth. There is, there is nothing, nothing on this planet worth killing yourself for. And that seems to be a growing thing in our society, a growing thing in so many different ways. Well, you say, well, I'm not suicidal. I've never been suicidal. Okay, but you can back that up one step. And while you may not go all the way to mentality of suicidal, we, there, there's oftentimes, and, we as, and even as Christians, that we will be just negative, negative, negative. God, you can't. God, you don't want to. God, and, and I'll say it this way. I don't think we verbalize it out loud like this, but our, but our hearts and our brains do this. God, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how you're godding. We do that. And God says to us, really? You don't like how I'm doing this? Were you, were, were you there when I made the sun? When I gave you that light. I always, I always use this because I just love it. The fact that in creation, light happened two days before the sun did. I love that. Investigate that a little bit. God said, let there be light. Two days later, he said, I don't want to put the sun up in the sky to separate the day from the night. There was light before there was sun. See, in our limited human thinking, we think that our, that our light comes just from the sun. Okay? That's how we process it. But God made light before he made the sun. There was no sun. I don't have time to unpack that. So, three things, four things actually, but... Uh, the, the first three are about God, okay? So the first thing is God is bigger than people. Psalms 118, verse 6, The Lord is, is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Guys, we don't believe this sometimes. We know it in our brains. I know this. I do this all the time. I know in my head God, that people cannot affect me, that this is a spiritual battle. This is stuff in people. You know, the scripture that says that don't be scared of somebody that can only hurt your physical body, but be more concerned with somebody that can affect your soul, which is God right? And you. But even though I know that, the idea of sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not true. Not true. Words can hurt deeper. In fact, there have been times when I've thought to myself, I, could, I would definitely take a broken bone over what I'm feeling right now, right? But knowing that, we still, this, this scripture, it's, it gets hard for us to get it into our, our spirit sometimes. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. God is bigger than people. He is. No matter the people, God is bigger. Second thing, God is bigger than circumstances. Psalms 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid of anything? Whatever's going on, I should not be afraid. Well, yeah, but the bills came due and we don't have the money. Okay, but the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is the one who saves me from what? From everything. Not just saves me from the mentality of sin that gets us to, to heaven instead of hell. When God says he's our redeemer and he's our savior, that's way bigger than just going to heaven or hell. He redeems our soul. He redeems our life, our mind, our existence. And he can redeem us financially too. We have to trust him. We have to believe that. He, he, um, the Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. 
so why should I tremble? So I was texting my daughter. She was working late last night, and I was telling her the road's very icy. Linda and I had gone to Walmart, <clears throat> and we were driving 20 miles an hour the whole way. And so I'm texting her, um, you know, be, be safe, be slow, do all this stuff. The roads are terrible. And, and she texts back that four people had already left work and had wrecks within a few miles of, of uh, TJ Maxx and all this stuff. And I said, but just, just drive slow, take your time. And then, uh, and then we just prayed for her. I, I, it sounds simple, right? Well, it's either true or not. Either God can per- take care of you and, and keep you safe, or he can't. Which is it? Which do you believe? Does he? The third thing, God is bigger than Satan. James 4, 7, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It takes humbling yourself before God, but, but God is bigger than Satan. This is the way I always verbalize, and I do this for myself, but I'll let you in on it. But um, Satan has more power in his little finger than all of Satan's forces put together. When Jesus comes riding back through the clouds on the white horse at the Battle of Armageddon, he is going to decimate every enemy that is trying to attack who he is. He doesn't need any help. He's the victor of all battles. There's nothing for us to be afraid of. So, what do we do? Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be led out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle. A mighty army, army as numberless as sand along the seashore. As I saw them, as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people in the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There, will be, they, there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is not metaphor. This is not some cute description that's not real. This is a very factual thing. We're actually looking at a factual thing that John is describing that Jesus is showing him. There is a devil, there is a beast, there is a false prophet, and Jesus is going to destroy them, lock them up for eternity. God's bigger than Satan. He just is. So number four, choose peace and thankfulness. Colossians chapter three. These are all choices. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now that means peace with each other, but it also first says that there is a peace that comes into your spirit, and then you live in peace with other people. That the first thing we do is we've got to recognize that God will give us peace. And I think this is the biggest thing that we're struggling with as a society across the board in the United States right now, is in, in, internally we have no peace. And therefore we have no hope. And that's why everything gets so crazy and vitriolic and all this other stuff, because we, we don't have peace which I believe is a universal need. It's not a felt need, it's a real need. And that's universal that every single person needs this and we're struggling because we don't have it. And it can only come through the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit bringing that into our existence. That's the only way it comes into our life. That's it. We have to choose. Do we let the Lord be that? John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. And you're never going to get it in anything of the world. 
any kind of um, chemical thing, you're never going to get it anywhere else. I, I've had this conversation with people when they're, um, when they're picking on somebody that's, that's um, a drug addict or something else. Now, I think that's a very bad decision to make. I think it's dumb. It's destructive. But I understand why people do it. I understand why people turn to alcohol or drugs or um, illicit relationships or whatever. I understand why people do that. Because they're not finding that comfort and that peace anywhere else. And they think, if I can't find it somewhere else, I'll just numb the receptors that are noticing I don't have it. And that's why people do the things that they do. And, and every one of us in here have little different things like that. Um, you, ever, you ever binge watch Netflix? Some of you are like, no, no, I haven't. Yes, I have. I have done that. Um, you know what I believe? Because I do this too. I like to take, if I've got a day, and I'm going to watch like six shows on a row, and then, then you try to stop, but you can't because you're caught up. And it's like three in the morning, you're like, i got to go to work in the morning. But there's one more episode, you know, that kind of thing. But you know why I think we do that? It's escapism. That's what it is. Same thing that alcohol does. I'm not saying it's a, it's a sin or evil or anything like that. I don't. I don't think that. I hope it's not because I do it quite regularly. But, but I, it's escapism. There's sometimes you just got to shut everything down. You got to... You got to turn off all the noise. You got to get all this, and and that's a heart, mind, spirit issue, right? He says, "Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again." So this Thanksgiving, we have an opportunity for a couple of things. We can be thankful, and I think the next thing is, and I I, I really believe I try to say this every year at Thanksgiving. I believe that Thanksgiving. Christmas, Thanksgiving, um, even Easter, but I think Thanksgiving and Christmas are unique to this or better at this is we have an opportunity to um, be able to say things about Jesus in times that we can't any other time. For example, you're sitting out at the park at July 4th and fireworks and all kinds of stuff. It's not as natural segue to talk about Jesus, as easy as it is on his birthday, Christmas, right? Right? So Thanksgiving is one of these kind of things. Specifically, if you're older, you're one of the patriarchs, matriarchs of the family, take the opportunity. Use your, use your clout. What is your clout? You're going to die sooner than the rest of them. That's your clout. Use that clout and say to them, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Let me tell you what I'm thankful for. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Use that, use that opportunity. In, in, introduce uh, grace, mercy, love, connection. Introduce those things into what would just normally be, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for my puppy. You know, that, introduce these things. Take the opportunity that you have. But here's where I think it has to start inside your heart. You've got to be truly thankful. That's where it has to start. Am I truly thankful? Why don't you stand with me? I was sitting the other night at a uh, dinner, and um, <clears throat> it was at an all-you-can-eat Brazilian restaurant. Those are gifts from the Lord to us as human beings. And I'm, I'm a foodie. That's, that's my love language. It just is. I tell you, Linda starts cooking something up on the stove, and I'm like, hey, you know, I shouldn't have done that right then. So... <clears throat> <laughs> but that's my love language. I love food. I love food. I know this sounds like circular reasoning, but you have something, you have things like that in your life too. When I think of somebody that is just being negative in life, it's sort of, 
Just take one thing. God made food. And he made it good. Do you realize he didn't have to give it flavor? But he did. Why? Because he likes us. And then he gave our tongues the ability to know it. Why? Because he likes us. Why? Just because he likes us. He didn't have to make food taste good. He didn't have to do these things. And he's done millions of these things just for us. Sound, music. He didn't have to give us music. Me personally, I don't know if I could live life without music. But he gives us this stuff. Why? Because he loves you. Be thankful. Take, take that into consideration. And when things are getting down, start looking around. I see trees of green. I see red roses too. I see babies doing the poo. I mean, I don't know exactly how the song goes. I don't remember right now. But, but put that in there. All right, bow your heads with me. God, we come before you. Lord Jesus, I, I pray against any kind of discouragement that tries to grab onto our souls and tries to drag us down. Lord, I pray against that. You're so big, Jesus. Your blood is so amazing. Forgiveness is so powerful. Your word is so amazing. Your creation is so amazing. Every human standing in this room right now is so amazing. God, help us to see it. Help us to see past our, our limitedness that we, that we so push, we let encroach in the reality of who you are. Lord, help us to see how amazing you are. God, this week of Thanksgiving, help us to see amazingness. When we see the, even the ice that's, that's out there, God, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that you do. God, we're amazed by this. So help us to see past us. And God, help us to, to hear you when you say, were you there? Are you that experienced? Lord, our answer is no. We humble ourselves. We apologize for thinking in a way that's just not, it's not glorifying you. Lord Jesus, I pray for every one of us in this room this week of Thanksgiving, whatever they're doing, things at work, family get-togethers, whatever. Lord, I pray that we'll take the opportunity to talk about you. And, that, and I would hope and believe that the reason we'd want to talk about you is because we're just so in love with you. And we want people to know it. So help us to go there. Help us to think that way, to process that. God, I pray against depression. I pray against discouragement. I pray against just negative attitudes that just keep weighing us down. God, help us to be strong in you in the power of your might. Let your peace flow through every one of us right here, right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed just for a second. I'm just going to ask a question and then we're going to close. But please keep your head bowed because I, this is um, something I want to use as an opportunity to pray for people. And, and it's difficult sometimes to be honest about these things. How many of you would say you, just, you struggle some with discouragement or depression or just negativeness that seems to be cyclical in your life? Yeah. 
Guys, let's fight against that. Let's fight against it. Jesus, bring your peace as we go for the rest of our day. In Jesus' name. God, I'm going to be praying for every hymn in a song. In the name of Jesus. Let the cycle be broken this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, so you're going to have Thanksgiving this week. How many of you are going to be with family this week? How many of you are going to be with just friends? How many of you are going to eat turkey? Why do you waste time eating turkey? So bad. How many of you are going to eat something besides turkey? That's what I'm talking about. It's my peeps right there. So um, I'm going to be eating turkey curry. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Um, so shake somebody's hand, hug their neck. Tell them how good looking that they are. We will see you, uh, not, th- not this Wednesday night, but uh, we'll see you next weekend. Have a good Thanksgiving. Hug somebody, eat lots of food. Overdo it. Who cares? And uh, we will see you next week. Have a great rest of your week.